You're listening to a podcast of the Sunday morning message from Grace Christian Church in the city of Cork on the beautiful south coast of Ireland. We hope and pray that it will be a blessing to you. Praise God. I'm going to be speaking as well this morning. I'm afraid you're getting me at both sides. With uh, We had another person who was going to do some uh, work on stage for us, but they couldn't make it in the end, so it's me uh, a lot this morning, so you're going to have to bear with my lovely shiny bald head for the whole of the service. So I'm speaking today, and let me tell you this, uh, by the way, welcome Cafe Church, you've just tuned in, I'm sure, you're joining us on the live stream, so good to have you with us as well. Sometimes, when I read the Bible, I feel the Holy Spirit speaks to me, and sometimes it can be a whole book of the Bible. I can remember reading, for example, the book of Hebrews, and the whole book fed me and spoke to me in my own life, and I believe in the, uh, to share with the church as well. Sometimes it's a chapter in a book will really speak. Sometimes it's a paragraph. Occasionally, it's a sentence will speak to me. And about a week ago, as I was reading scripture, one word spoke to me and I haven't been able to get away from that word it's been feeding me and challenging me and informing me and the deeper I've researched this word the more encouraged I've become and the word is to find to find and that's what I'm going to speak about this morning because I believe that Jesus Christ for every one of us here He wants to find us. The old word in the old King James is to seek. And I believe it operates for the established Christian as well as for the person who is searching about life and wondering about their spirituality and their future. I'm going to share a well-known account. It's not a parable. Last Sunday I was speaking about the four soils or the four heart types, the four types of people coming into the kingdom of God. That was a parable Jesus spoke. But today I'm going to look at Uh, an encounter Jesus had with a man. I actually spoke about this a year ago, and it's well known, but I want to look at it from a totally different angle today and use it as a springboard to, to start off our sharing. So I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would come and breathe and speak to us through your word and feed every man and woman here in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm going to throw up the scripture. We have it on the screen. You can throw it up down in Cafe Church as well. It's the next two slides. Most of you know this well-known scripture from Luke chapter 19. It's about a man who was short of height. As Jesus walked through Jericho, there was a man there called Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax man, and he was very rich. He wanted to see Jesus, but he was a short man, so he couldn't see over the crowd. Therefore, he climbed up a tree to see Jesus. When Jesus passed by the tree, Jesus looked up at Zacchaeus, saying to him, I'd like to be a guest in your home. Zacchaeus scrambled down the tree saying, Master, I give away half my income to the poor and to anyone I cheated, I restore fourfold. Jesus then said, 
Today is salvation day in this home for Zacchaeus. Because I came to find and to save the lost. Hallelujah. I never ever tire of reading or get bored of reading of the encounters Jesus Christ had with men and women like you and me. It is timeless and it feeds into eternity. What I've been quite struck here, as I said, is about the word find. But let me just build my case with you and maybe paint a little bit of a story for you. We're told that Jesus was walk, walking or had walked through Jericho. If you look at the context of this and the other chapters, we know that Jesus and his disciples were making a journey. And they were going to Jerusalem. And as they were going to Jerusalem, they were passing by Jericho. And what's really interesting is while Jesus did some miracles and healings on the road, within the town of Jericho, the only encounter that is recorded is Jesus and this man Zacchaeus. Jericho was and is a big place. So the only reason, if you will, that Jesus was walking through that city was to encounter that man, Zacchaeus. And it makes it very personal and it makes it very individual for you and for me to know and to reflect on the fact that Jesus Christ will go to the ends of the earth just for you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. That was the first scripture verse anyone shared with me when at the age of 19 I became a Christian. And that person shared with me the truth when they said, if I was the only one on planet earth, he would still have died for me. Hallelujah. That's real love. That's real love. But a hundred years ago, there was a man in England who the Holy Spirit anointed him and he was used greatly to heal in healing ministry, in preaching, in building up the church. He was one of what was known as the early Pentecostal pioneers. He came with the message that the Holy Spirit can really move and work today as he did in the New Testament. His name was Smith Wigglesworth, but I like what he says about this. There's something about believing Jesus that will cause him to pass over a million people to get to you. He's looking to find us. He is seeking you and me out. And it is so individual. So Jesus is in Jericho, and the reason he's there is because of this man, Zacchaeus. And we're told very clearly from the scripture that Zacchaeus, we're going to call him Zach, the name is too long otherwise, that Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus. This is the other part of the finding, that when Jesus is seeking you out as a new believer in him, or you're an established Christian, we look at it in a second, and he wants to draw something out of you, part of the deal is that we want to see Jesus. And so Zacchaeus 
heard Jesus was coming through Jericho. No, he didn't go on Facebook and see next Thursday Jesus is walking through Jericho. No, didn't work like that then. Word got out on the street. He would have heard it as it was happening. And from what we can see, he did everything he possibly could to see Jesus. And even when there was an obstacle, and there will always be an obstacle for you and for me in following Jesus, that goes to the very first time we call upon him, right to the day we go and be with him forever. The, there will always be obstacles for you and me following Jesus. There will always be obstacles for you and me coming to church. There will always be obstacles for you and me to tell the truth in life and so on and so on. His obstacle was he was a short man and he wouldn't have been able to see Jesus with the crowd. What's your obstacle? For some of us it's alcoholism. For some of us it's a toxic relationship. For others we're just lazy. Call it what it is. But there's an obstacle. But Zacchaeus, and he was an evil man. He was a wicked man. He oppressed the poor. He was a gangster. He was a traitor to his people. He, he had all this baggage on him. But there was something in his soul when he heard Jesus is passing through our city. He's coming through Jericho. Something sparked in Zacchaeus and he wasn't going to let his issue stop him from seeing Jesus. So whatever your issue is, and I've got my issues and we all have, there's nobody perfect. He climbed a tree. You and I have to climb a tree in our lives if we want to see Jesus. Whether that's making the time or separating ourselves from someone who's dragging us back, or connecting with someone who can be life-giving to us, or even a simple thing like making the space to read our Bible. Zacchaeus climbed the tree because he wanted to see Jesus. So Jesus is looking to find people, but people have to put themselves in the way of Jesus finding them. Zacchaeus climbed a tree, you and I have come to church this morning. So we're putting ourselves in the way. Just in case you didn't know it, you're putting yourself in the way for Jesus to touch you today. Amen? Whether that's in your intellect, whether that's a healing, whether that's your emotions in your heart, whether it's something deeply, deeply in your spirit. He puts himself in the way of Jesus. And I love when Jesus makes a proclamation, because this to me is so deep and so moving, because Jesus proclaims to this gangster, I'd like to be a guest in your home today, Zacchaeus. Get the context here. Jesus observes the hostility to Zacchaeus. He hadn't met him before. He didn't know all his history in a natural level, but because of his divinity, he is God, he's the God-man Jesus, he would have known, but he observes the hostility. So the crowd would have hated Zacchaeus. He was a traitor, he was a gangster, he probably personally had frauded them out of their money. So there would have been a lot of resentment. And Jesus observes the hostility and he begins the process of finding Zacchaeus by making this proclamation. This is powerful. Remember when we proclaim 
something. And I'm not talking about the, the crazy extremes of this. But how can anyone believe unless they first hear? And how can they hear unless someone like us says it? And then when we're talking about believing, we're told whoever believes in his heart and confesses with his mouth, he will, believe, he will be saved. So there's a whole power in proclaiming. And Jesus makes a proclamation here that really shatters the culture that he finds himself in and that he's in. Because we're told immediately after he makes this declaration that the people began to mutter, why is Jesus closing up to that gangster? Who's this Jesus? Does he really know who this guy is? If he only knew what we were dealing with week in, week out with this gangster in Jericho. But yet Jesus makes the proclamation. And even though the people are muttering, and even though Jesus knew there would be a rejection, he makes it anyway. And you might have come in here today and you might say, you know what, I'm not a very popular person. A lot of people don't like me. But Jesus Christ loves you. And this goes right back to that very moment. Myra Linehan is celebrating her 81st birthday. It was in her home in 1980. It was May 1980, the end of April 1980, start of May, 37 years ago, that I came and encountered the living God in that home. And this, this encounter brings me right back. It's every reason I want to follow Jesus. Because Jesus observes the hostility against the case and he transfers it to himself. Hallelujah. The powerful God, the God-man Jesus Christ, sees the hostility. And even before there's any change in Zacchaeus, he transfers it to himself. Because what is he saying in that culture? He's saying, Zacchaeus, gangster, hated by everyone here, I want to eat your polluted food. I want to sleep in your defiled bed. That's what everyone around was hearing. This is a Jewish culture. This guy's the case was beyond the pale. They didn't accept him. So he wasn't a religious Jew. So if you ate his food, it was unclean. And his house was unclean. But Jesus proclaims, I will eat your polluted food and I will gladly sleep in your defiled bed. Hallelujah. What a saviour. What a savior. He makes the same proclamations today to the people on the margins of society, to the people who a lot of traditional churches would never allow come near them and the love of Jesus breaks down every wall. Hallelujah. He sleeps in our defiled beds and he eats our polluted food. It's important that we understand about the food because Jesus and meals is really important. One of the things I've been looking at is that, I think it's in the Gospel of Luke, almost all records of what Jesus said and did, he's either going to a meal, he's at a meal, or he's coming from a meal. That's why the Pharisees and the religious hypocrites of the day called him a glutton and a wine-bibber, which he wasn't. What was the thing about meals? Meals were huge. 
and there was two cultures going on there that Jesus lived under and had as part of the meal process. You had the Roman culture whereby they would all recline at the table. So what they would do, they would have couches and they would eat like this. It's not very comfortable, but they would eat like this. Actually, it was comfortable because they had sofas or couches. And they would lean down like that and just lean on their elbow. And it meant that dinner went on forever. And so it was a real relaxed thing. It wasn't like, grab a sandwich within three seconds and run on and do the next thing. There was no eating on the go. And then the Jewish culture, of course, was you only ate with someone you were at peace with. You never ate with someone that you disagreed with or there was a live issue. It was only with people that you accepted and you were at peace. So when Jesus is saying, I'm going to come and eat with you, he's saying, you know what's the case? There's peace between us, the gangster and the savior. And there's peace between us. And so Jesus, that's why David wrote in Psalm 23, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Sometimes in our lives, God just declares peace over our lives. And it's like all of our enemies quieten. And we can have a season of peace. We read it in the Old and the New Testament. Today, if you want to try and get some idea of how much, how important meals were significant, I think the nearest country is France. Um, a few people here are French. But honestly, France is incredible when it comes to their lunch. Denise and I were over there on holidays a while back and we were inside in a big um, shop and next thing it was 25 past 12 and the lights started flashing and the buzzers were bzzz, bzzz, bzzz. We said, my God, there's a fire. What's after happening? Is there, is there gangsters? Is there a robbery? And I went up and I asked the lady and she said, c'est le déjeuner, it is the time for lunch. And to me, lunch is you grab a sandwich and you eat it at your desk and you keep going. But oh no, not in France. Isn't that right, Marianne? You're ashamed of your national. No, you're not. No, you're not. I read, a, I read an article and they said, the French economy is an economy that runs on lunch. So, so for two hours in France, from half past 12, 12.30 to 2.30, everything stops. And they go for lunch. And you can go anywhere. It's so incredibly different to our culture that everything just stops and everybody stops for lunch. And lunch is a huge important part of their culture. And perhaps they've got something right compared to our crazy culture of trying to work every hour God sends. But that's probably the nearest little thing we've got to try and understand. When they had a meal, it was a long, drawn-out affair. Don't think of fast food stuffing your face with chips and McDonald's. That's not what the meals that they had. So it was significant, it was cultural, it was spiritual. And this is when Jesus was saying, Zacchaeus, I'm going to your house for a meal. Everybody would have been shocked. And then Jesus Christ makes a statement he proclaims. Today is salvation day for you, Zacchaeus. I have come to find and to save the lost. When Jesus is making this proclamation, he is declaring it spiritually. He's also 
becoming a justice advocate. An advocate is giving voice to someone who doesn't have a voice. And Jesus becomes a justice advocate for Zacchaeus. And even though he didn't deserve justice, he didn't deserve forgiveness, he didn't deserve acceptance or for the savior of the world to come to his home that was used for all kinds of things, yet Jesus became an advocate. An advocate is like, if someone is suffering from mental health issues here and they're not well, they will be appointed by the government, by the health service here, an advocate to speak on their behalf. If you have to go to court, none of us, unless we're trained, will know the legal uh, language and the law and the system, so you will get an advocate, like a lawyer, to represent you in court. So Jesus becomes a justice advocate for Zechariah, or uh, Zacchaeus. And he becomes a justice advocate for us. And the other thing he does is he demonstrates compassion. You see, the letter of the law kills. But grace and love are so different. It tells us in the book of Romans, it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. So someone had come up to me in 1980 as an angry, rebellious 19-year-old young man and wagged the finger at me and told me all the things I was doing wrong, I probably would have hit them. But someone came to me and told me about the love of Jesus Christ and his kindness, his compassion melted my heart. And so Jesus shows compassion. He shows, he becomes a justice advocate for Zacchaeus and he proclaims salvation. And then he says, I have come to find you. I know by the Holy Spirit that Jesus is looking to find some of us here. And I believe it's not just people who are in here for the first time. It's for established Christians as well. Final thing I'll say about Zacchaeus is he accepted being found. Because Zacchaeus was scrambling down the tree. Now Zacchaeus had done a lot of wrong and he needed to make restitution and he needed to give money back. But Jesus never asked him to do that. He did it of his own volition. That's real relationship. If a pastor tells you, you must do this, you must do that, you must do the other. You know what? You end up doing it to keep a man happy. But if you know the Spirit of God has given you a conscience on that issue, you know what? You do it for the Lord. Because if you only do it for a man, when that man is gone, guess what happens? You just revert to type. You go back to yourself. And you see that a lot, unfortunately, in Christian circles where a lot of activities just underground. They're not going to do it in front of the pastor, but I'm going to do it anyway. That's religion. Relationship happens all the time. And because we don't want to hurt him, and we don't want to lose that sense of connection with him, we're not going to do stuff that we could do if we wanted to. And so Zacchaeus, ever before he made his declaration of giving money back to the people he robbed, as soon as he was scrambling down that tree, as soon as he even came up the tree, Jesus knew this guy's heart was changing and he was calling on Jesus. And so Jesus proclaims the salvation ever before uh, Zacchaeus says anything. Here's, here's where I want to come for the last bit of what I'm saying today. It's not just people who for the first time come to know the Lord. This is for established Christians too. In John 21, we read that Jesus was making breakfast on the beach. My mouth gets watering when I think of that breakfast. Grilled fish 
and bread on the beach. All that's short enough for that to be a perfect meal is some tossed salad as well. But I guess they didn't have tossed salad with a bit of vinaigrette back in ancient uh, Palestine. But Jesus makes breakfast on the beach. And he calls out to Peter in his workplace. Because Peter is fishing. That's what he did. And Peter had rejected the Lord or he denied the Lord. He had sinned and he needed to be restored. So Jesus found him in John 21. Mary Magdalene had done nothing wrong, but her life was so upset with all the changes that had happened that Jesus found her in the garden. And she didn't recognize him. She was so upset. But she needed to be found by Jesus, even though she'd done nothing wrong. And the two disciples on the Emmaus Road, they had done nothing wrong. Mary Magdalene was upset, but they were disappointed. Something they were hoping to happen in their lives, as far as they could see, hadn't happened. And so Jesus finds them on their journey. Hallelujah. And he comes and he walks by their side. And remember they said at the end of that, if you ever read it in Luke 24, when Jesus revealed himself to them, and then he disappeared, they said, didn't our hearts burn within us when he was talking to us? Point being, he found the disciples on the Emmaus Road. The scripture tells us very clearly. It's all over the scripture. We have the parable of the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son. Finding, 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 finding. Matthew 18, 12 says, The good shepherd will leave the 99 sheep and find the one who lost his way. Hallelujah. You see, we as established Christians lose our way. Sometimes we literally go cold with the Lord and we need to be restored. Like Peter. We make mistakes. Sometimes, like Mary Magdalene, we haven't done anything wrong, but life is so difficult. And the external situations break our heart. And he has to find us. The thing is, we're so upset like her, we don't even realize it's him. She thought he was the gardener. And then other times, for you and me, we're disappointed. I prayed that prayer. I hoped that would happen for me for the person I love and I feel disappointed and I feel a bit let down I certainly feel deflated as a believer and Jesus will find you if that's you today hallelujah he finds us he finds us and so for Zacchaeus it was salvation for Peter it was restoration for Mary and for the two on the Emmaus Road and so many others it was a renewal experience they needed to be renewed again by the presence of Jesus Christ they needed to know him coming alongside them and so brothers and sisters as I come towards a close how many of us here I wonder need to be found by Jesus for the first time or maybe it's again and again in my humble experience and opinion, most Christians I know have to encounter the Lord fairly regularly in this way because life is hard. You and I get knocked. We were looking at it last Tuesday night, how, 
how we are under a barrage of advertisements and media and yes, even fake news. And it's all aimed at knocking your faith and telling you, don't mind living that way, you should live this way. It's really fun if you live this way. And so we are constantly being Attacked, if you will, for our faith. That's why the place of the Christian, the local Christian church, all over the city, all over Ireland, all over the world is so important. It's our personal walk with God and it's our community together where we can allow the Spirit of God to find us again and warm our hearts again. Some of us were talking before uh, church this morning, we were talking about that old expression that the old people you say a hundred years ago, we talk about feeling the Holy Spirit come on us when we're praying. They used to use the expression, my heart was strangely warmed. When is the last time your heart was strangely warmed? Not strange, spooky. Strange, life-giving, supernaturally warmed. We need our hearts to be strangely warmed. We need to encounter the Lord in all of these ways. So we're going to sing a song. Worship band, could you come up, guys? We're going to sing this song, Breathe on me, breath of God. Imagine the two in the Emmaus Road and Jesus started walking by them. They felt his breath. Imagine Mary, remember, because Jesus said, you can't embrace me, Mary. I haven't ascended to my father yet. She was getting really close. She could feel his breath. Peter, when he sat down and Jesus said to Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? He could feel his breath. How many of us here need to be found? You've made yourself available. You've put yourself in the way. Every one of us here has climbed a tree. Let's see if the Lord needs to find you this morning. And let this church be a midwife, as it were. And let us help you connect to the Lord again. Could you stand with me? We're going to sing the song as a prayer. And then we're going to pray and just allow a little bit of time for the Holy Spirit to move. Breathe on me, breath of God. Let's sing. Breathe on me breath of God breathe on me breathe on me breath of God breathe on me cause I come alive I'm alive when you breathe on me cause I come alive I'm alive when you breathe on me. close our eyes on stage and off stage if you're like Zacchaeus and you've really never encountered Jesus in that deep life changing way in total privacy here can I invite you to put your hand up I'm the only one with my eyes open and then take it down again I need to know I see your hands back there okay okay and I see your hands and I see your hands okay 
praise God. We've got three people who want to start believing in Jesus. I'm going to ask all of us to just say this prayer after me. Many of us believe this already, but let's, let's be like that midwife to these three people. Let's pray the prayer, the sinner's prayer, we call it, and to encourage our, our friends to come into that relationship with Jesus. Let's do it. Let's repeat after me. Lord Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus Christ. I invite you into my life. I invite you into my life. I turn from the old way of living. I turn from the old way of living. Forgive me my sins. Forgive me my sins. I want to follow you. I want to follow you. Be my leader. Be my leader. Be my friend. Be my friend. Be my savior. Be my savior. I allow you to be my leader. I allow you to be my leader. And I wave the white flag of surrender. And I wave the white flag of surrender. I want to follow Jesus. I want to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Will we give a round of applause to these three guys? Hallelujah. Praise God. Now many of us have been disappointed and many of us may be a bit confused and many others of us may be like Mary Magdalene. Stuff outside has upset us. And Jesus wants to find you this morning and breathe life into you this morning. So if you identify with any of those external issues that have you like that, like the Emmaus Road disciples, like Mary Magdalene, would you lift up your hand? But I'm not asking anyone to close their eyes. You've got to own your prayers. Praise God. We're going to sing the song again, and we're going to sing it as a prayer again. But I'm going to invite you to come up to the top uh, to leave your seat and join me at the top for the last five minutes of our meeting. Let's sing the song again, and if you put up your hand, join us up here. Praise God. Breathe, breathe on, on me. me. Breath of God, breathe on me. So breathe on me. Breath of God, breathe on me. Cause I come alive. I'm alive when you breathe on me Oh, I come alive, I'm alive when you breathe on me climbed a tree let's show the Lord that we really mean business if you're physically able would you come and kneel down with me it's us showing on the outside what's going on on the inside so we kneel on our knees praise God hallelujah and lift up our hands it shows that we're calling on the Holy Spirit we thank you Jesus for every disappointment there's an answer and for every confusion you have peace and for every external issue that is upsetting us this week we know you want to find each one of my brothers and my sisters here so I pray now Lord Jesus that you would walk up and down 
weave your way through these people on their knees and touch each one find them now in jesus name find where their hearts are find where their needs are their disappointments their upset oh god you find us you seek us out and i pray right now restoration where it is needed in jesus name who'll say amen i pray encouragement where it is needed in jesus name amen i pray peace and consolation where it is needed in jesus name hallelujah ruan this is what the lord would say to you in your disappointment and in the attack that was made on you where you were wounded and treated viciously i was there says the lord i saw from beginning to end and i am the one who wipes away your tears and i am the one who is pouring ointment into your heart to bring healing and i am the one who is finding you says jesus i am finding you and not only am i pouring in ointment as it were i am equally in the season ahead going to give you courage that is not natural the Lord your God will give you supernatural courage. You will be amazed when you look back at what you are today to what you are going to become by the end of this year because you will have a boldness that is biblical. You will have a confidence that is from heaven and you will love again and you will have hope again and you will race again like you once did. And it's all happening now because the spirit of the living God is upon you. God is giving you hope for your future. Believe what the Lord would say to you. I commit Ruan into your hands now, Lord. May it come to pass in Jesus' name. Amen. Jabe, this is what the Lord would say to you. In your family, and in your background the enemy the evil one has destroyed but the Lord would say you are a new generation and in your upset and in your distress the Lord would compare you to Mary Magdalene because he is appearing to you and he is restoring you and he is bringing you back to that place where you will be calm again and where your broken heart would be healed Jesus has a future for you and the Lord would say to you Jabe that all the generations of pain and murder and distress you are the one who is changing the future you are the generation that is receiving and seeing the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And so the Lord says now, receive his healing, receive his touch, receive his restoration today in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. I have one more. Is it Nave? Is it Nave? The Lord would say to you, Nave. Just, I saw, as it were, just a vision. 
and I saw standing next to you, and I know this is new to you, but I saw the Lord standing next to you, putting his arms around you, and I found the Lord as it were melting. It was like there was something frozen from the past, and the Lord is just saying, his breath is upon you. He's unfreezing that which happened in the past. And so there's going to be a whole new sense of life and a whole degree of hope come into your life because the Spirit of God over the next couple of months is going to do a wonderful work in you, taking away the ice. The winter is passing in your life, says the Lord. The spring is here. Breathe in the warmer air because that air is the breath of God blessing your life. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's stand, guys, before we conclude. Let's just pray one last prayer. Would you lift your hands one more time? Father, every man and woman here has left their seats and said, like Zacchaeus, find me, Jesus. I pray that finding that maybe began here this morning would continue through the afternoon. I pray it would continue in the evening. I pray throughout the night ahead, you would know the Spirit of God, as it were, touching you and finding you. And I pray your week ahead would be fortified, charged and empowered by the fact that the love of Jesus is exploding in your experience and in your life for the week ahead. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Let's go back to our seats. Let's keep standing. Before we close in a couple of minutes, can we sing this song? And I pray that when you go to sleep tonight, you'll remember these words. Have a bit of faith when you go to sleep tonight that the Spirit of God will breathe upon you in your bed and that even your dreams would be spirit-breathed. Let's sing it as a prayer before we close. Breathe, breathe on, on me. Breath of God, breathe on me. Breathe on me. Breath of God, breathe on me. I come alive, oh I come alive, I'm alive when you breathe on me. you and all of your families and the people you love this coming week and when we gather next week or during the week I pray you'll be stronger as a result of the breath of God on your life amen, amen. praise God we've got coffee and tea served in our atrium upstairs you can use the back stairs as well if you want to go up and avoid the crowds 
thank you for coming we appreciate every one of you god bless you the band are going to play us out and if we don't see you afterwards we'll see you during the week or next sunday over to the guys breathe